Cast Strength, the Whiskey Podcast, brought to you by myself, Torrin, and my brother and co-host, Ronan. Follow us on Instagram at Cast Strength Pod or on Twitter at Cast Strength Pod. Enjoy the show. Slash. Hello and welcome back to episode 10 of Cast Strength, the Whiskey Podcast. I am Torren. I'm joined by Ronan. It's the first time I've allowed you to introduce yourself mm-hmm. in all the podcasts we've done. Buongiorno. Ah, buongiorno. Hi. Buongiorno. You, you're and Italian uh, for this one, are you? Ciao, Bella, to all our uh, uh, listeners. Bella, ciao, Bella, ciao, uh. Bella, ciao, <laughs> ciao, ciao. Yeah, today we are obviously speaking about whiskey. We're yes. going to speak about uh, whiskey from Nocdu Distillery, uh, which is the brand name's. Anoch, Anoch, I think, yeah, yeah. Anoch. I, I would go with Anoch. Yeah, but I think we should start off with some whiskey news whiskey because news. there's been so much going on in the whiskey yeah. industry. It's been a wee while since we recorded the podcast. Uh, have you got any whiskey news? Uh, none off the top of my head. If you've got whiskey news, we can fire along with that. And if I think of anything... Yeah, yeah. I wanted to give it. I wanted to give it like, the last few episodes. I've went uh, over to Ronan with the whiskey news. Yeah, and you've went. I've not got any uh, whiskey news actually. And you've done the same again. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Uh, I've got some whiskey news. Okay, if, if you uh, indulge me, and pretty what, much, uh, and I will. Uh, Tully Barden, that distillery, as you head up the A nine to yeah. kind of space side of the Highlands. Yeah, it's on the left hand side or the right hand side as you head down. Yeah. The visitor centre was broken into. Oh no. This was a few weeks ago, but it's just been That's a few That's a wells. serious effort, that, to break into Tully Barton, because there's not really anything around it. Well, well. That's well, a serious effort to break into that. Yeah. Not that we're condoning that. But no, it's, um, they must have been... Uh, targeted. Thieves by trade. Anyway, yeah. so they stole eight bottles of vintage whiskey. Vintage whiskey. Which I presume just means old. Uh, old whiskey. Wait till they, they, fi- they find out. Yeah, it's it was, it, it, well, <laughs> aye. Uh, and it was worth £10,000. That's terrible on Tully Barden, but it's also... Quite good for Tully Barden. Very, very terrible for the thieves. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we'll break into this whiskey distillery. And uh, oh, it's Tully (laughs) Barden. When you're trying to punt that on the, I say the black market or the pubs and stuff, Uh, it's like, ah, it's fine. Doesn't even need to be the 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 uh, the illegal market. It just needs to be any market. Then they realise. Oh, it's not that. It's Uh, not that good. But that's a that's a shame. Obviously, those absolutely. Whiskey bottles were probably artifacts or whatever, you know what I mean? They're a, they're a part of history. Hopefully they get them back. When you steal something that's that niche, occasionally they usually get given it back, don't they? Like, Because who can you sell that kind of stolen goods to? They call it hot in, in the stolen goods trade. I've never been in that trade. I don't know what that is, but I've heard that these stolen goods are pretty hot. Yeah, the... Too hot to handle. I once heard of a story that um, Cohoman had bottled a single cask for a customer in, in, in England and it was getting delivered to a certain address and when it went down, it bottled, labelled, everything was getting shipped down to this address in England. That um, It was basically the person wasn't in 
it's sort of like how your Amazon or closed delivery. Uh, you're never in at the time that yeah. they deliver, and then it's like leaving a safe place, and it's like no, I live in I live in a close in Glasgow. Yeah. No, nowhere safe. The sort of story goes that the story goes that the, they tried to make the delivery, and the neighbour said, oh, "Don't worry, I'll take that in." I mean, it's a single cask. You're probably talking. Let's say they do four four bottled single casks or whatever. Um, maybe 60, 70 cases, cases of whiskey. Um, and the neighbour says, oh, I'll take that in. And I'll give it to him when the, mm. when he arrives. The story I've heard that the, the neighbour that was there was just a just a chancer. A toe rag. Uh, a toe rag. And he just went away with these 70 cases of whiskey, or around about that amount. Um those are that's a difficult thing to shift yeah like if you acquired a bottle yeah. I could understand you going to your local pub and going 20 quid no matter what it was but there was a, a whole press release about this cask being stolen like a, a, a as in a a bottled cask yeah. so like a whole bottled cask you're talking around the 60 to 70 cases mark hogshead sort of thing but you sort of it's, it's a difficult thing to get rid of yeah, um, but I if you if you if you broke into a warehouse and stole a cask of whiskey and you're like yes this is worth who are you selling that to sixty thousand pounds uh, say yeah. who I who can you sell that to I mean you might be able to sell it to someone someone might be daft enough to buy it from you but it would but if they then to it'd do be extremely from... under the market value just like yeah mm. no I mean I, I like I presume if you buy guns you're not buying them at market value maybe you're buying them at probably more expensive because more expensive because be i yeah. doubt that the sort of practice is going on in the whiskey industry though well I, no that's the thing like who's who out of a cask broker say is buying cask off the black market you know what i mean because they're a- all ab- absolutely the, nobody you, the, you need paperwork yeah that cask has got history from the time it's been filled hmrc approval that this cask actually exists yeah uh, the only way you could buy one is if you just were like, right, that's a stolen 40-year-old Macallan. I'm minted. I'm not wanting to sell it. I'm yeah. just, I just love whiskey that much. I just want to drink. Drama, like, drama at a time. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Impossible uh, to steal whiskey. That's pretty much the... It'd be very hard to punt it. It'd be very hard. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Right, okay. We'll move on to the next part of Whiskey News. Excellent. Uh, Villain. Right. You know, you know what distillery, eh? No of it. Heard about uh, it. They released a whiskey matured, I think it was 11 years old, matured in a Guinness cask. Lovely. It was part of their Offerman or Offerman editions. Right. Uh, which uh, Offerman is uh, the second name of uh, American actor. He's in Parks and Recreation. And he's loves Lagavulin so much yeah. he's uh, probably doesn't pronounce it right though does yeah, he probably not you're not probably pronouncing it right anyway. it's a whiskey distillery I, in Islay yeah I mean yeah. we can mock people's accents all day uh, especially the American ones, oh, I suppose. I <laughs> we could, we yeah. could. We'll get on to that later, though. I think, I think, I, I was going to mock the accent later, but um, it's maybe not mocking. It's just impersonating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so they matured the whiskey in a Guinness cask, and I don't really want to uh, speak about their whiskey. I just want to ask you, 
do you think I'd be nice? We're a fan of Guinness. Do you think, think a whiskey would be nice matured in a Guinness, an ex Guinness cask? Um, I guess you to think about it taste wise. You sort of look at what you like about Guinness, and I enjoy having a whiskey beside my Guinness, and 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 drinking them uh, together. But the flavour that you get from Guinness, do you think that would be enjoyable with something at forty percent at minimum? I don't know whether it would be enjoyable. It'd be something I definitely want to try, mm. and I would make a point of trying it. Is it a whiskey that you could sit and sip at away in, in a session whiskey? Sort of, probably not. It's it's a niche. It's a it's a gimmick. Um, there will be people that will like it, but I bet they'll turn around and say. It's not the one I would sit at a bar and order it all the time. Undoubtedly, Lagavulin is a very, very good dram. Their yeah. 16 year old is a, a, very a, good. A peated Guinness sounds yeah. really yeah. attractive to want to try, but could I drink a peated Guinness every time I go to the pub? Probably not. Probably not. But maybe we'll, we'll, we'll try and get a bottle on the pod and we can. Ah, sold out, I'm pretty sure. Ah, sold out. That's good. I don't want to touch collect, too much. I don't want to touch too much on the bottle. I just wanted to touch on the process of maturing whiskey in an X beer, whether it be yeah. uh, a lager or an IPA or uh, it's, it's a stout it's, cask. I've I've I got given a bottle when I left a previous job. They knew I was into whiskey. That's fine. They gave me a bottle of Glenfiddich yeah. that had been matured in a X IPA cask. And it was awful. Like, and I don't like. It was a nice present. Uh, like, I, yeah. I, I quite like how they thought about it. Thought about yeah, like yeah, what yeah. I like. It wasn't like I was in there every day, mouthing off. Well, I don't know why I'd be mouthing off about whiskey. Kick, like kicking off just, like, ah, you need to try whiskey. No, I wasn't doing that. Uh, but they obviously realised that that was something I was quite interested in. Yeah, and they got me a bottle, and of course, I said. Thank you very much. That's very thoughtful. And I still think that to this day. The whiskey itself was not nice. It was not a nice whiskey. It was Glenfiddich matured in an IPA cask. Yeah, I th- I th- that's my own, probably my only experience, uh, experience of, of whiskey matured in an ex-beer cask. I think it, 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 it'll eventually work itself out to where the whiskey matured in ex-beer casks, there'll be a upper echelon of what beer it works best with and it'll look the same with sherry the same with rum the same with cognac the same with everything wine they'll eventually work its way down or work its way up essentially to where you go you mature your whiskey if you want to do it in x beer you mature it in this beer because it works the best that's what it'll come down to everybody's just experimenting till we get to that point, the same way that everybody would ex- have experimented with different wines, the different sherries, and then eventually it'll get to beer. And and people will know, people being distillery owners, distillery managers, master blenders, they'll eventually get to a point where they go, we mature our whiskey in X blah blah brewery, because that's what works the best. We'll just get to that point. We're just at the, the early stages of that, mm. that process. Right, it might be five, ten years until... Absolutely. Yeah, um, Scotland, the country, yes, the one we're in right now, like it very much. Uh, goes to level zero on Monday. Mm. By the time this podcast is released, it will probably be 
back to level one Monday and yeah. also back to <laughs> back, and also back to level one. Yeah. Uh, but it's very good news. Um, it's very good news in terms of whiskey distilleries. They can yeah. open up their doors to yeah. punters again. Tourists I was yeah. earlier on this week. I was visiting Lindor's Abbey yeah. Distillery. We might record a wee podcast with the Lindor's Abbey. Uh, their first bottling, their first yeah. bottle of Lindor's Abbey came out. I think it was early, late June or something. But they yeah. just released their first bottle uh, of whiskey. They had some uh, Aquavite. Yeah. Uh, that they released before that we won't get into because it's a podcast in itself. It's a very yeah. interesting distillery. Mm. Distillery uh, built on across the road from the grounds of basically the first recorded place in Scotland that made whiskey from right, uh, okay. it was an abbey. Yeah. And I'm giving it absolutely no justice. So we'll move on. Yeah. But it's level zero come Monday and uh yeah, it bodes well for the whole of Scotland, and it bodes well for a lot of distilleries as well. They can welcome back uh, visitors, tours. It's a great thing um, for whiskey distilleries in particular, because if you really look at where whiskey distilleries are based, you exclude Glasgow and Edinburgh whiskey distilleries. You look at the... Um, around Scotland, where whiskey distilleries are based aren't tourist hotspots. Mm. Right, like, like Isla... Great place to visit if you're a if you're a whiskey enthusiast. Do you go to Isla if you don't know whiskey, but you're just going on a holiday? There is an off chance that you do go, but the reason you've went is not because of whiskey. Campbelltown, Speyside. These places aren't places you would uh, regularly go if you're just looking for a Scottish staycation, or you're coming up from England or Wales or Northern Ireland or from anywhere. Mm-hmm. You don't just go to these places because you're expecting really great weather and there's a lot to do. But it's great that whiskey distilleries are able to open and do tours and do tastings because whiskey enthusiasts throughout the UK and any, what we would say, green list countries, how many there are, are able to come and visit these places and do the tours and put money back in into distilleries that the actual... Yeah. distilleries have been craving it, for these people to And it's to not up. even just the distilleries, is it? It's the local cafes... Which Hotels, are family owned. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially like we're from Cameltown. We, I try not to ramble on about yeah. Cameltown being the best town in the world. You know what I mean? But if a whiskey, these, if these a whis- whiskey tourists yeah. go to Cameltown to visit the local distilleries, yeah. be it Springbank, Kilkerran, yeah. and Good Scotia, yeah. they might go out to the gin distillery, Ben yeah. and Turek, which yeah. produced Kintyre gin. But they also stay in the local hotels. Absolutely. They also eat in the local cafes. These cafes aren't owned by big companies. They're yeah. owned by someday a local family yeah. who needs to put their kid through whatever yeah. uh, Highland dancing or through swimming lessons or whatever. That, that's a bit, a busy- that's what actually hurts uh, the community. Yeah, is like. It's not just the distillery that hurts with not yeah. It's uh, financially, I mean, uh, from not receiving these tourists. It's the local community because... A, co- a community that has a, a, a distillery, if the distillery's busy, the community will also be busy. But if the community's busy, it doesn't necessarily mean that the distillery's busy. Yeah. So a, a, a well-run, great tours, fantastic distillery 
They're doing everything they can to accommodate people will result in other businesses in that community doing well. Mm. Um, and it's it's great to see that it's great to see that coming back. Um, yeah. It's 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 absolutely fantastic. This is our tenth episode. We've done nine uh, whiskey reviews. Yeah. Um, we've done one interview. Yeah. With uh, Patrick Fisher from the Elite Wine and Whiskey. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not counting that as doesn't count a whiskey review episode. Yeah, no, so this fair. is our. 10th episode yeah which seems great to be honest isn't it like we've upgraded our mics we've come a long way from that first time in the kitchen recording on a uh, single mic where you could hear the fridge in the background yeah yeah we've got proper mics now uh, but, but my question to you is what have you learned from the last 10 episodes um what have i learned Probably that my tasting notes sound very, very similar to every whiskey and that I pick out certain points within whiskies and I enjoy them. Um, probably very bad at finding a bad whiskey. Um, I'm terrible at pointing out the negatives of things, I guess. Uh, and also you're, you're, you're heavy involved in production and the the essence in which certain production uh, processes come about. I've learned an awful lot about distilleries that I wouldn't have went that deep into. Mm. Um, so, so you feel that you've learned off of me? I've learned off of you, yeah, oh, definitely. That's quite a nice. Yeah. I've not learned nothing off of you. Yeah, I mean, my job, does it doesn't translate into a podcast sort of sense, I guess. Ah, some, some insights. Uh, we're just needing those stories about the Vietnam trips in South Korea. <laughs> but... Uh, but for the past eighteen months, I've not been able to do those trips, so Aye. I'm not I'm not coming back from a place and telling you. Oh, by the way, this 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 happened. I guess uh, it's probably curtailed my stories a bit. Do you want me to tell you what I've learned? Yes, please. It sounds a wee bit like um, when you're going when you're going out when you're eighteen. Yeah. You're still living with your mum and dad, and uh, your mum says like oh, don't be drinking too much but yeah. what i've learned from our first 10 episodes is don't drink too much yeah like we don't need to yeah uh not that we drink loads to do the podcast but i mean like we had that uh st patrick's day podcast where uh, the second half isn't really even released and shouldn't be it shouldn't be like we didn't even we didn't say anything that bad it was just that Standards we, drop. We just didn't really say anything at all. Yeah. We just kind of bumbled on everything. Yeah. So that would be my first point. Don't drink too much. You don't need to. We're not in. We're not doing this for the drink. Yeah. Second, less whiskey is more. Yep. Absolutely. I think I, I, think I learned this from the Ben Nevis podcast. Uh, the previous podcast we did two, or the first podcast we did three whiskeys. Yeah. Benevo's podcast, we did one whiskey. Class. And I felt we could delve yeah. right into the distillery, yep. its history, its surrounding, do whatever we want to do with yep. that distillery. Because like, at the end of the day, we, we are learning as well. We are we don't just know everything about every distillery. Of course we don't. No, we're doing a lot. Well, we're doing a lot, a, research, a lot of research. A lot of research. Some research. And, research. and yeah, some research. Aye. <laughs> aye. But... See, learning about all these distilleries. Yeah. That's why we do it. Like, there's no, there's no financial gain. There's to, no like. To, to me, me, the, me the and podcast you, is an afterthought. Uh, uh, essentially, I've really enjoyed 
learning about all these distilleries and all these whiskies right. that we're trying, the fact that then we do a podcast is actually a is, is as I said an afterthought. Uh, I would want to learn about all these whiskies and all these distilleries. What what I hope from anyway the podcast is that at least one person learns one thing yeah. from what we're saying and the folk that have got back to me, the folk that have uh, gave us feedback, they seem to say that they do learn a lot from the podcast. Uh, unfortunately, I usually do the equipment bit. Which uh, I've never had any feedback about that. But a lot of people say they don't know a lot about whiskey. They're learning, but they learn a lot from your history bit. Which hurts me deep, but I enjoy listening to it as well. Number number three on my list of things I've learned from this podcast is... And again, it relates to what your mother would say to you before you go to a night out. Keep doing your own thing. Yeah. Don't don't try to be a chameleon to other people's things. Uh, just do your own thing. I think we've got. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say unique. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we're world beaters or what we do. No. But I'm just saying, like, we're doing our own thing and just keep doing it. We're doing what we enjoy. Whether uh, pe- people like it, that's great. If you don't, that's that's fine. It maybe not be for you, but we're reviewing whiskies that we think we would enjoy. Um, and that's all you can do, really. And final point, which I was thinking about, was try and do whiskies that everybody could get. Yeah, don't absolutely. try and yeah. do whiskies that aren't available, limited editions. I know yeah. at the start we did like a long red, and we did a bottle that you'd got off of a friend or or, yeah. or something. Let's, and that that's the thing. This is why I wanted to do a. 10th podcast review kind of by ourselves because yeah. I think over that time we've started going why not why do we not just do whiskies that everybody could buy like not everybody that listens to the podcast is going to be a whiskey expert we're yeah. not we're not whiskey experts but you, you want to taste whiskies that are essentially they maybe not be mainstream mm. but they're available for everybody to yeah. buy. Like, I think, like this, what yeah. we're, we're tasting. I, I think the whiskey we're trying today, uh, Anoch, 18-year-old. I, th- I think that encapsulates yeah. that, that, that thought process. Yeah, I've got a wee bit more whiskey news to go. So, I'll be quick with it. So, this is personal news in terms of the podcast. Yep. We've got uh, over 1,500 followers on Instagram. Excellent. Thank you to every one of them. Um, we've probably got over 1,600 now, but if you're listening and you're not following us on Instagram, follow us on Instagram. That's the best way to hear the most updated stuff that we're doing, basically. We're now on YouTube as well. Uh, yep. We've done one interview. Uh, we're going to try to do a lot more. Uh, it's proven a wee bit harder than we thought to uh, kind of match up times and all that, but that's everybody's getting back to their own lives type thing. And also... If you follow the link tree on our Instagram or on our Twitter, you'll go to uh, basically a link tree, which is our all our social media. It's our YouTube, and you'll also find a place to buy us a dram. It's called which, but we've had several contributors so far. I'm not going to name them yep. because I don't want to break GDPR rules in the UK, but I am very thankful to those contributors so 
let's move on to the whiskey. I just want to touch on one point before we move on to the whiskey. Yeah. Uh, we've probably rambled on enough, especially myself. Um, it's just about a book I'm reading right now. Okay. Uh, I'm not the biggest reader in the world. I don't want to come across that we're massive book readers. I'm not the ma- a massive book reader, but I have been enjoying a book which is called The Rise and Fall of Distilleries in Campbelltown yep. by uh, David Stark, yep. I believe. Um and it, when I was looking and well, when I was reading this book, there's old kind of what do you know that map company Ordnance Survey? I think they're called. Yeah, yeah. Ordnance Survey maps. Yeah, but they're like from the late eighteen hundreds or the mid eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Um, and there's the maps of Campbelltown, and there's a brewery, and on these maps it says brewery, and yeah. of, like. That's what it's marked as on the map. And I can't really find anything else about this brewery in Campbelltown apart from this book. Um, And I just want to ask listeners to the podcast if they know anything about this brewery. Yeah. If you're from Campbelltown and maybe a family member used to work in this brewery, it was, well, well over 100 years ago. It's gone back a bit. Aye, it's gone back a bit, but it's round about the 1850s and they're on the Ordnance Survey map there is a brewery. If anybody knows anything about it, it's something I would like to research, something I would like yeah. to look into. Uh, and if you know anything about it, please just email the podcast, uh, uh, podcast at gmail.com or message on Instagram or text me or whatever if you, you know, know anything get in touch i please get in touch by uh by hook or crook please get in touch because it is something that i'm looking to research basically pretty much yeah. but i'll let you speak ronan i've spoken enough so we're the whiskey we're trying is an 18 year old anoch um 46 percent non-chill filler no coloring and what i'm gonna say you nose taste then I'll jump to you after. But I actually wanted to give us a little bit of insight to the company that owns it, the history of that company, and then actually what their parent company does. So Anok from Nokdu is owned by International Beverage, which in themselves is owned by Thai Bev, uh, as the name would suggest, is a Thailand-based spirit company. Um, from what we'll go to say about this whiskey... I think it's a great example of how a, a big company can own a distillery that produces very little, but also produces a very authentic whiskey. So th- these are the other spirits that Thai Bev produce. So Thai-based spirits, we have we have Prara Rum, Mekong, which is a whiskey, Mekong whiskey, but it's essentially a rum is produced from 95% molasses, 5% rice. But it's Thailand's leading uh, drink. That's what they drink the most. So is that is that marketed as a whiskey? It's it's Kong whiskey, but essentially, as we would see it, it'd be a rum. It's a rum. It's right. a rum. But they 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 it's 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 a whiskey. Crown 99, which is a blended a blend of Scotch and local spirits. Royal Legend, which is the, what they describe as a double distilled spirit. Sang Som, which is distilled and aged for years in oak barrels before being mixed with herbs and spices. Hong Thong. It's a golden spirit. It's a Hong Thong, a golden spirit, made from molasses, 
but it's made at the distillery they own in Thailand. I'll pronounce it wrong, but it, Bang Yu Can Distillery. Uh, Hong Thong means Golden Phoenix. Is where they get the name That's from. That's exactly what I call my underwear. Yeah. Um, we have blend 285. It's a blend of Scottish whiskey, grain whiskey, and uh, neutral spirit from Thailand. Bald at 35%. Uh, and then we have Meridian, which is a pineapple brandy, which is distilled in a, a copper pot still, but the copper pot still itself is imported directly from uh, Cognac in France. So that's the Thai spirits. The single malts that they have, Thai Bev, Pontney Distillery, not to be confused with Old Pontney, the brand. It's a particularly uh, an annoyance of mine when people call the distillery Old Pontney. Uh, to do Distillery, obviously. Balblair, Speyburn, Balmenach Distillery as well. So this is Thai Bev, the company that owns... This is the parent company that, uh, that owns, owns all these distilleries yeah. in Scotland and also owns... So many different drink brands around the world. I mean, and theoretically, Inverhouse own the distilleries within Scotland. Right. Um, but Ty Bev is the overall owner. We go into blended scotch. One you'll know, definitely. The others you might not know. We have Cathos, blended scotch. MacArthur's blend, again. I think I've heard of that. Right. But one you will know. Hanky Bannister. Yeah, the Hanky Bannister. Yeah. Uh, when I used to work in a whiskey shop, we had one bottle yeah. of Hanky Bannister that nobody would buy. Yeah. And one day we sold it. White Spirits, Caroon Gin, is very popular in Scotland, but made of Balmenic Distillery, Caroon Gin. Yeah. They also have Cold Stream Gin and then Kulov Vodka. Um, Chinese Spirits, gets particularly interesting. Grand Classic, which they describe as a fragrant and silky spirit, is the classic and official taste of Xuan Guan. Pronounced incorrectly. If you're looking um, on Google Maps and where that area is, it's just south of Wuhan. Uh, we also have Yunjiang, 43 degree, and Qiu Lin Quan. Um, and then going into beer, this is where you might know one of these beers again. We have Arca, Fede Brew, and then Chang Beer, former sponsors of Everton Football Club. Right, so I, I appreciate why you, you, you've you tried to pronounce all the Thai or Chinese yeah. brands. For one of those brands, you went to a French accent. And I just wonder why and also... It's got an accent above the A. That's why I've went. It's a Belgian beer. Right, okay. Is that why you've went for that? Fair de brew. Right. Fair enough. Uh, so that, that gives you a, a representation of, of how big a company that owns, essentially owns this facility. Yeah, it's a multinational, yeah. similar to, but probably not as big as Diageo, that owns drink brands Absolutely. all around the world. Uh, but the the company that owns uh, Knock Do yep. Distillery, not to be confused, confused with, with Knock and Do, Knock and Do, yeah, uh, which would be you'd be absolutely you'd be stupid to confuse it because the names are so different. Yes, uh, but we are reviewing Knock Do, which is owned by this multinational company, and the brand of whiskey they produce is called. 
what are you getting on the nose there? Just so, quickly. This is this this is the first time I've ever tasted an official bottling from Noch Du Distillery, so Anoch. Uh, I've tasted some independent bottlings mm-hmm. from uh, Noch Du, and I'm, to be honest, I've never really been that impressed. Yeah. Kind of a light Highland whiskey, but it's all, it's all been from independent bottlers. Mm. Uh, but nosing this, it's 18 years old, which obviously we've got an 18 year old for the 10th podcast, which yeah. is fantastic. I'm thinking, well, I'm thinking this is actually a really, really, really good, good dram. And it's quite it's quite light and delicate on the nose. Yeah. But that's probably exactly how it's meant to be. Absolutely. I'm getting a lot of sweetness. I'm getting honey, but before it's in a jar. Do you know, like a kind of raw honeycomb type yeah. thing? Uh, I'm getting a lot of, like, it's like an unrefined kind of sugar. I'm getting orange, you know, when you get, do you know when you get an orange, probably when they come in season, then they reach, like, kind of Scottish supermarket shelves, but, you know, like, sometimes in the year, oranges are just, like, they don't taste the much. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the, the one, the in-season orange, that kind of deep red. A blood orange, maybe. Maybe a blood orange. Yeah. I, maybe a blood orange. I'm getting a blood orange kind of feel to it, real sugary. Real like sweet, a burst of kind of orange, burst of orange in right, your yeah. mouth, yeah. and yeah, that's pretty much what I'm getting from the nose. Are you? What are you getting from the nose? Um, it would actually be something very similar. I would almost equate it to maybe a rum and raisin sort of ice cream sort of thing. Very creamy, but it's got this lovely, lovely tropical fruitness to it. Blood oranges, uh, sort of candied fruit. Very, very sweet. Very, very delicious. Um, Lovely, lovely citrus notes as well. Really, really enjoyable from the nose. It's sort of bringing you in. I've added some water to it as well. Oh, and the nose is just burst open with flavour. Yeah. I'm getting peaches, getting apricots. I'm getting more of that orange. Lovely sweetness to it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really, really impressed with this nose. Um, understand that everything can be great. And the knockdos I've had in the past, yeah, haven't they really been great? Yeah, that have been just another whiskey. But this is eighteen years old. They're obviously producing a good spirit there. For for my research for this podcast, uh, I watched a lot of videos uh, on YouTube. I read a bit about knockdo. The knockdo distillery manager actually has another podcast, mm-hmm. which. I'm going to advertise again. I think it's called Knock Tales. Right. And you can just tell that a lot of care goes into this whiskey. Yeah. And just from the nose, not even tasted it yet, I'm really, really enjoying this. Like, I'm really, really enjoying this whiskey. And it's not even it's not even dear, is it? Like, how, how much was this whiskey costing? I think about 70 quid a bottle. For an eighteen-year-old, for an eighteen-year-old whiskey that stands out is 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 something probably that about ten pound cheaper than most eighteen-year-olds. Yeah, absolutely. So we've covered who Ty Bev is, and their Scottish branch is Inverhouse, so they own five distilleries: Balblair, Balmenach, Knockdo, Pulteney, and Speyburn. 
Inverhouse in itself was established in 1964 as a subsidiary of the a US-based publisher company. Um, they were initially based in Airdrie to build the Moffat Whiskey Complex. So down down in Moffat, where a distillery's actually just been built in yeah. Moffat, uh, down, down in that neck of the woods, down in Moffat, they prize themselves of having the darkest guy yeah like it's a great place for looking at stars and also in the in the town of moffat they have changed all the street lights right to be street lights that don't affect how you can look at the sky right so okay. the, the light pollution in moffat is minimal extremely minimal yeah. wow so the Moffat complex, the Moffat whiskey complex that they built, included Glen Flagler Distillery and also Garn Heath Grain Distillery. I've never heard of any of those distilleries. Absolutely. Never heard of any of them. In 1966, they built a bottling hall. That's yeah. a horrible year, isn't it? Yeah, not the best. Um, the year after is very good. Very good. Um, so they built a bottling hall in Maltings, which actually in 1966 was the largest in Europe. In Airdrie. So Edinburgh House built the largest Maltings in Europe. In 1973, so we're talking, what, seven years later, Edinburgh House bought Bladna Distillery. Which is in Wigdenshire. Uh, which is the basically the home of um, Scotland's most famous poet, who is Robert Burns. Uh, he grew up in Wigtonshire. Yeah. And of course made his way from there to Glasgow and Edinburgh, where he became a famous poet and storyteller. Well, before he was a poet, he was an exciseman. Right. He worked for the HMRC. Oh. Boo. No, uh, but after that... never liked him. But after that, like, Robbie Burns wrote, the obviously, the famous uh, phrase that whiskey and freedom gang together. Mm, absolutely. So it was 10 years after they bought Bladnock, they actually sold it to Arthur Bell. Of Bell's Whiskey? Of Bell's Whiskey. Wow. Um, two years after that... During the downturn of whiskey, um, the whiskey loch, uh, the Inverhouse needed to off-sale um, assets, essentially. They closed Glenfagler, and then in, 18, in 1896, they closed Garn Heath. It was in 1988 that the purchase of Hanky Bannister really picked up the the business that was being done. Um and from that, in, 18, in 1988, Knock Distillery was uh, was purchased. Um, th- they then go from strength to strength, actually. And this timeline sort of shows how successful they were at the time. 18, 1988, they purchased Knock 1991, they acquired Speyburn, which is also a, always a great word within the whiskey industry. Acquired. Acquired Speyburn. 1995, four years later, they acquired Pultney Distillery. In 1996, Bal Blair and Bal joined the distilleries that they already had. They acquired them in 1996. And then in 2001, Pacific Spirit, now that we know as International Beverage Holdings, purchased Inverhouse as the international arm of Taibev. 
you are talking from the late 80s to the to 2001 this company just went absolutely through the roof in popularity the spirits they were producing what they were actually doing they acquired four five distilleries in that time they absolutely brilliant and really what sparked that was the purchasing of Hanky Bannister so that's the parent company but as uh, just distillery itself mm. so knock do distillery yeah it isn't a distillery that's glamorous like in the likes of McAllen or Talisker or Lagavulin or Kleinleash and stuff like that you know what I mean it isn't a popular distillery it's not a known distillery no not no. at all like this is this is the first official bottling I've had from this distillery, yeah. and 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 still to this day, it's it's not a distillery that people would say, "Oh, I've tried that." Probably because of the branding, they may have tried Anok, but they've not known that it's from Nokdu. But even at that, people wouldn't have tried anything from uh, Nokdu or Anok. Nokdu itself, sort of the the origins of Nokdu started in eighteen seventy seven. Cambus, Cameron Bridge, Carsbridge, Glenochel, Kirkiston, and Port Dundas joined forces to form DCL, mm-hmm. a company we've spoken about previously in yeah. previous podcasts that we know eventually become Diageo. Yeah, they merge with Metropolitan. Yeah, and they become Diageo. Yeah. So in 1877, these grain distilleries, they joined forces to fight off the increasing popularity of malt whiskey. Um, Even although, at that time, they were dabbling in malt whiskey itself. In 1893, they built Knockdo outside of Keith, and this this was their first move to establish themselves as the dominant player in Scotch whisky. Obviously, DCL eventually becoming Diageo, which is the dominant player in uh, Scotch whisky. Nocdu and uh, DCL at the time, great success with the distillery. Um, great railway links from Keith to the, to the, to the Lowland area, um, which allowed them to have a good supply of barley and also... In the area, there was a good availability of peat as well. In 1930, Scottish malt distillers assume control of Nocturne. Another great phrase in the whisky industry, they assume control. So with the distillery in 1983, as we discovered earlier, um, it's closed due to the lack of demand. In 1983? 1983. So that... That coincides... That coincides with the... 1980s whiskey lock and the whiskey the uh, distilleries all closing down, having a really hard time, and basically just mothballing, didn't it? Mothballing distilleries, that's what they're yeah, doing. Yeah. Um, 1988, Inverhouse purchased Nocdu, reopening it in 1989. In 1990, the first official bottling of Nocdu is released, but it was only until 1993. The second brand is released from Inverhouse, and it was called Anok. And why why did it change from Nochtu to Anok? So, as we touched on earlier, Inverhouse felt there was a similarity between Nokandu and Nochtu, and they couldn't release a whiskey Nochtu and be its prominent brand 
because it would get mistaken for Nokandu. I don't really think that's much of an issue today because you have the likes of Spey, this Spey, and then you have other whiskies that Inverhouse actually own, Speyburn. Um, I don't think there's that much of a difference to where you couldn't release Nokdu whisky. I think I think maybe within Scotland you could notice the difference. But internationally, yeah. would you notice too much difference? Some, some, you know, somewhat of me understands that, let's say, the Eastern Asian parent company thinking there was too much of a similarity. For example, one of the best-selling whiskies in Malaysia is Glenfarclas 105. It's a very good whiskey as very well. Very good whiskey. I, I, I've been pushing to get it on this podcast yeah. as well. But the reason it's one of the best-selling whiskies is because 105 is easy to say. So when you go to a bar, all you need to ask for is a 105. You don't need you don't need to bother pronouncing Glenfarclas. All you need to say is 105. Right. So I understand the need to differentiate themselves from Nocto. 2001, Pacific Spirits acquires Inverhouse. I suppose, uh, just, just before you go on, I suppose it would be like, in, in Scotland, where we are, mm-hmm. you've got people called Alice Dare, mm-hmm. and you've got people called Alice Stare. Yeah. Very similar names. Probably, you couldn't even notice the difference if you weren't a native of Scotland, never even mind a speaker of English. Yeah. I agree with this brand name change that is from Nokdu to Anok. Yeah. Could it potentially be down to Nokdu being owned by Inverhouse and Nokandu being owned by Diageo? Who had the deeper pockets? Who yeah. who had the amount of money that could get into a court battle that would last several yeah, years? Absolutely. Did, did, did Inverhouse Distillers, the owner of Nokdu, just concede early? I mean, through absolutely no knowledge of the situation, I guess. I'm absolutely it, speculating. Uh, it, that that sort of thing would seem more likely than just wanting to make a brand. I can't see a, a huge company like uh, Taibev just going, let's create another brand, because it, it sounds similar to another whiskey. There, I would assume there was a toing and froing, as they would say. In 2001... Pacific Spirits acquires Inverhouse um, for $85 million. And then it was only in 2006... That's just pocket change, isn't it? Pocket change. 2006, International Beverage buys Pacific Spirits and then in turn buys Inverhouse. International Beverage is owned by Taibev. So on the palate, what are you getting? I've been sitting here enjoying this palette and uh, sitting back and nipping in once or twice with some stupid comment mm. <laughs> or something like that when you were speaking. But see on this palette, I'm thinking this is a great whiskey. Mm. Really, really great whiskey. I'm getting sweet honey. I'm getting a wee bit of spiciness, maybe cardamom. Getting a lovely citrus note carrying on from the nose. Which maybe develops from the nose. The I said a lot in the nose. I said it was uh, orange, mm-hmm. and not just orange peel. 
I mean like pure just pressed orange. Aye, full on. But on on the taste I'm getting a lot more like lemon. Do you know like the kind of Italian lemons, you know, they get a mentally, Fresh, aye. like, they get a lot of, like, these mad big lemons, like, aye. we just get wee lemons, so they get big lemons, it's like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, wait, they're, they're, like, water lemons. Aye. They're big. Yeah. Uh, it's like that real sweetness, a wee bit of vanilla pod, um, getting a wee bit of that kind of sweetness there, and then also getting that kind of sharp... Uh, kind of berry feel, maybe like uh, a gooseberry, you mm-hmm. know, a gooseberry kind of like sharp berry, and then just getting that kind of deep, rich fig raisin. You you mentioned earlier yeah. on, did you say like a kind of rum raisin? Rum raisin I'm getting sir. a kind of fig yeah. raisin kind of feel, dark berry kind of feel. Um, what, are you, what are you getting on the palate? Uh, on the palate, I'm starting to get little toffee notes, cinnamon, cloves, a little bit of white pepper in there actually. Um, again, very fruity, but a little bit boozy as as the rum raisin would suggest. 46%, a little bit boozy, an enjoyable sort of boozy. Um, honey, green apples, a little bit of Christmas cake starting to come through with the 18-year-old. It's, it's a combination of bourbon and sherry casks. So a little bit of Christmas cake. I start to get some sort of okay dry oakness uh, and a little bit of ginger spice in there as well a very 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 enjoyable palette um really really surprised about how much i actually enjoy this whiskey it's absolutely brilliant yeah i think it's almost like an 18 year old whiskey and it's probably the oldest whiskey we've tried on the podcast yeah. and it was one i was kind of pushing for because of the distillery manager's podcast that he's done, and I thought he sounded like an absolutely really nice guy. Yeah. But also for the price of this eighteen-year-old whiskey, yeah, it's very good. Every podcast we do, we need to buy the whiskey, obviously. So we obviously are price conscious, mm-hmm. uh, and we also want to buy whiskeys that are available to people that are listening. So we don't yeah. want to review a. F- 500 pound whiskey who's going to go and buy that but this whiskey has cost what 70 quid 75 quid 70 quid yeah right, 70 quid and it's so enjoyable yeah if a kind of casual whiskey drinker maybe somebody that spends 30 pound 40 pound yeah. on a bottle of whiskey if they wanted to branch out a bit yeah. spend a wee bit more Go for go for something of a little higher age. Yeah, this I would recommend this whiskey. Ab- We've not even touched on the finish, so we'll leave our overall review. Absolutely. Yep. Until then. Yep. But to give you a wee snippet of what I'm going to say and probably exactly what I'm going to say in the overall review, this is a class whiskey. Yeah. This is a very very it's nice a whiskey. V- a very very good whiskey. Let's move on to the finish, but what I'm going to ask you is run through the whole whiskey, including the finish, and then we can move on to the whiskey league. So what I've got from this whiskey, again, a lot of what we've we've already said, maybe rum and raisin ice cream, blood oranges, very, very fruity, candied apples. At the point, I got a little sort of bitterness, sort of a tea leaf uh, bitterness, citrus, citrus fruits coming in there. 
a little bit of sort of sort of molasses, burnt brown sugar, sumas, going off of what you said on the palate, maybe gooseberries, figs, chocolate, um, a little bit of sherriness in there, mocha, coffee, um, lovely spiciness. Um, and the finish, to the finish was, as you would say, maybe, maybe medium long, a little bit of oakiness in there, a little bit of waxiness in there, just from maybe the age. Um, dried fruits, again, sort of orangey, sort of chocolate note, sort of Terry's chocolate orange, I guess. Peppermint, throws quite floral at times on the finish. Um, a very, 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 very enjoyable dram. What about yourself? Yeah, I've um, kind of waxed lyrical about this dram mm. throughout tasting it. Um, I think it's enjoyable, especially with the addition of water. So without water, I was like, it's kind of a lot of citrus vibes. Yeah, like um, orange, uh, particularly very sweet on the nose. With the addition of water, wow! Um, this is a whiskey that I can keep going back to, yeah. and back to, and back to. And there's some. Whiskies that we've tried in this podcast, and we've went, yeah, they're, nice. They're all right, but we're not going back to it. This is a whiskey that I could go back to every single Friday night, or every single if I want a dram on it. I think for the price of it, for yeah. what you're getting, it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. So, like on the nose, as I said, it was giving me orange a lot. It was giving me a wee bit of spiciness. I added water. Mm. Uh, Totally opened it up. I was getting lovely blood orange. Uh, I was getting honeycomb before it's in that wee jar. Yeah. You know, like the actual comb. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, on the palate, it's getting a lovely spiciness. A yeah. cardamom, cinnamon. Um, was getting, you know, pepper. I think you mentioned white pepper. It's not yeah. like kind of cracked a black pepper. It's white pepper. Um, I was getting that citrus note, that blood orange, but then I was also getting a kind of sour, but not in a bad way, but kind of getting that sour note, like a gooseberry. Yeah. Uh, and then that rum raisin fig note, um, which was just absolutely delightful. On the finish, you said medium or medium long. I'm going to say long. I thought this was a long finish. Yeah. I do not give many whiskies the title of long, long finish. finish yeah. But this whiskey was a long finish. It was spicy. It was figs. It was Christmas cake. It was just a very, very, very good whiskey. And fair enough, it's 18 years old. From what we've learned about this distillery, from what we researched about this distillery. I've not even touched on the equipment within this distillery. Could be a podcast in itself. It could be a podcast in itself, but what I will touch on for this distillery is that it's just very traditional. It's very old-fashioned. It's owned by a multinational. But it's so traditional. it's so traditional. It's so hands-on. Actually, listening to the distillery manager of this distillery's podcast, yeah, um, he talked about the amount of time that their distillers had been there. 
the shortest amount of time one of the distilleries had been there had worked in that distillery mm-hmm. 14 years there's just experience the longest amount of time was like 32 or 38 years these are people who are working this distillery it's an old kit as far as yeah. I can see but they're very happy they must be very happy. You don't stay in a job for 14 years. You don't stay in a job Love for 30-odd years. Love the craft. Unless you're yeah. very happy in in your job. This is a distillery that I didn't know much about before we started yeah. researching it. Mm. But this is a distillery that I want to know a lot about and I want to keep researching after... We've finished yeah. drinking it. You know what I mean? Like This is a distillery that seems to be doing it the right way. It's a big company is 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 doing it the right way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Will we move on to the, the Whiskey League? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, the Whiskey League, the most hotly contested league in Scotland, never mind Europe, probably the rest of the world. Uh, of course, I'll run through the whiskey league. Yep. Uh, from from first to tenth, uh, we don't have any second leagues. We just have the top ten, uh, and if a whiskey drops off, it drops off, which is unfortunate. Of course, last time we recorded a podcast, our big wee whiskey uh, dropped off. Yeah. Uh, we'll never see it again, even though we've got uh, about three quarters of bottles in yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of our podcast, uh, we'll never see it again. We'll never see it again. So, top of the leagues, Long Roll Red. Yeah. Uh, Pinot Noir, 12-year-old, beautiful dram. Nick Nian, mm-hmm. uh, one of their first release. Uh, again, beautiful dram. Third, Glen Scotia, open day bottling, 14-year-old. Yeah. Fourth, we've got the Springbank, local barley, 10-year-old, Oloroso Sherry. 2020 or yeah. 2021 release. I think yeah. it was 2021. Uh, fifth, we've got the Springbank local barley, 10 year old. Uh, but it's a 2019 release, was more uh, bourbon cask, bourbon focused. Yeah. yeah. Sixth, we've got Klein Leash, 14 year old. Yeah. Oh, what a dram. Nice dram. Yeah. Seventh, we've got Ben Nevis, 10 year old. Eighth, we've got the last podcast we recorded. Glen Kinchy, 12-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice, that Glen Kinchy. Yeah, Quite surprising, but very nice. Ninth, we've got the Bunahaven Sturidar, Sturidar yeah. which is one of our uh, supermarket podcasts. Is, yeah. Uh, and tenth, we've got Tobermory, 12-year-old. Now, the question is, where would you put the Anok 18-year-old? It's going to be a hard decision because does Tobermory deserve to fall off the list? Maybe. But it's not It's not a distillery I want to see fall off the list. No, let's be honest, I probably think it will fall off the list. I think this uh, Anok is, is going in um, to the top ten. Um, I do think this Anok is going into the top 10 I do think the Tobermory 12 year old is going to drop out I would probably put it in at 7th place and what's that in between so that would give you 
the Anoch at seventh place, Ben Nevis at eight, Glenkinchy at nine, Bunahaben at ten, and that would mean the Tobermory would drop out. Right. So you're saying that the Anoch eighteen year old isn't as good as Cleanly's fourteen year old? Not to my personal uh, personal taste. I think the I think the Cleanly's fourteen is a little bit better than the the Anoch eighteen year old. Would you put the Anok above the clean leash? Where would you put it? You know, I, I'd probably be, yeah, I'd probably be conflicted between putting it above the clean leash. The the Anok eighteen isn't as good as the Springbanks, mm. but is it as good as the clean leash? It's probably on par, just as good. Mm. Which now do we think about the clean leash? Is fourteen. The Anoch is eighteen. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe I I could probably argue for a day and a night that the Anoch is just slightly better. Yeah. Than the Klein Leash, mm. but it's probably just on par. I would say it's exactly the same. Obviously, not in taste wise, but in just experience wise. Yeah. So I'm probably going to leave it up to you to decide. Whether it's Klein Leash fourteen year old or Anoch eighteen year olds better. I'd probably I'd my point of view the Klein Leash is better. Okay. I enjoy the Klein Leash more. Um I'd put the Anoch just below. Just below the Klein Leash. Pushing so, pushing the Tor Mori out. So that means Tor Mori's dropped off yeah. then. So run through the Scotch whiskey league. Uh so it's Long Row Red, second McNee and third Glinscosha. Uh, open day bottling 14 year old the fourth it's the Springbank local barley 10 year old uh, 2020 2021 fifth it's uh, Springbank 10 year old local barley 2019 not a lot of sherry on sixth place it's uh, the Kleinleash 14 year old seventh place it's the Anok 18 year old that we've just tasted in this episode it doesn't sit quite real with me but we'll go with it Eighth place, it's the Ben Nevis, ten year old. Ninth place, it's the Clinkinche, twelve year old. Yeah, so that tenth place is the Bunahabi. Very good. Another good podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. For-